0: Oh, glory to God. Well, I'm so excited about tonight because, um, the Lord's letting me do something that's real strong on my heart and I I always like it when I get to do that sort of thing. Sometimes you have to teach on things that you don't enjoy so much, but when you get to teach on something that you do enjoy, it's always much more fun. So, uh, um, I've had this on my heart for weeks and weeks now and, uh, we had some things arise in the office and work and stuff that wasn't fun, but I had already had this on my heart. So, um, I'm going to go with it. And I think the kids will enjoy it. The adults will enjoy it. Um, maybe the kids will enjoy it. We'll see. Um, but um, it's, it's fun when you do things according to the word. People don't think so, but the end result is always fun. It's not fun maybe when you're doing it, but it's fun th- to get the results that the Word says. So um, we'll we'll get started in it. And um, if you're not having fun serving God, you're just not doing it right. So uh, I had somebody the other day tell me, you know, they weren't having fun. I thought, you ain't doing it right then. You know, you're just not doing it right because we are so blessed. God is just, I mean, you get up every day and you just have to pinch yourself about how good things are going for you. I mean, right. things are going so good for us. I mean, things can look so bad one day and the next day just... Turn around and everything just be so wonderful in your life and, and how good God can be to you. And the devil can throw arrows and attacks in every direction. But, you know, if you just stand with God the next day, it can be totally different, you know, and blessings coming to us, airplanes and money for houses and stuff and buildings and lands and stuff Dave, you get money for your new house all the time. Yeah, he's getting money for his new house. I know he is, because God's blessing us. When you serve him, it's happening, you know. So, I mean, good things are happening. So this is what I want to talk to us about. See if you can figure out what we're going to do with it. The title tonight is The Acorn or the Tree. The acorn or the Tree. Bet you can't figure out where we're going. See if you can figure it out. Turn to Proverbs 22.6. And we'll pray when you get there. We're going to have some fun. If you don't have a Bible, if you would, y'all thought I forgot that because I wouldn't Keith, but uh-huh, cut you off your toes. Our ushers have one, even the kids. It would be real good for the kids to even have a Bible tonight. The other night we had somebody visiting with us in youth and uh, it was their first time and um. They said some things, and um, our youth didn't agree with it. And they didn't know the Scripture for what they were saying, but by the time they got finished, the youth showed them a few Scriptures, and they didn't know what to think about it because they had an argument about something, but they didn't have one Scripture for it. But by the time they were finished, they found out how much our youth did know about the Scripture. You know? And so uh, it's, it's real good to know Scripture. Your opinion doesn't matter anything, and my opinion doesn't matter anything. It's just the Word that matters for anything. So... It's real good to know what the Word says about it. So Proverbs 22:6. 6. It says, well, let's pray first. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence once again. There's no better place in the world than your presence, Father. And no greater thing to have than your anointing. And we just ask you tonight for utterance to give us the things that we need to hear, the words that we need to say. I ask you to make my tongue as the pen of a ready writer, to give me the words and the things that would help the people the most at this time, Father, that would set them free in areas of their life and give them ideas to help fix things in their life, Father. Give them an anointing to do the job that You've called them to do, Father. Give them answers to questions and solutions to problems to bring them out of traps that the devil has set for them. I just ask You to show us things that we've not seen before from Your Word, Father, and show us the way to fix things that have been problems in our lives, Father, and set us free from things that have caused us problems. And I just ask You to reveal to us things that we've we've set ourselves, on course, in the wrong direction, Father, but reveal to us ways to get out of those traps, Father, and I thank you for doing it for us now, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Proverbs 22, 6, Proverbs 22, 6, says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Now, before we get far from that, I want to correct something that people say a lot of times with that. Number one, it didn't say he will depart and come back. What did it say? He He will not depart from it. What does it mean to train up a child? Major confusion about that word, train. And that's where the body of Christ, I believe, parents in general are missing it. Train. When I think of the word train, the very first thing that comes to my mind when I think of that word, every time I think of that word, every time I've worked with kids... And I have worked with lots of kids over the years. i worked with other churches with kids. I've worked with other people's kids. I work with kids on a regular basis. I think of basic training. Now, somebody picture in your mind what happens at basic training. We got any military in here? Anybody ever been in military? Okay. What happens? Somebody tell me. Now, I'll treat you like I do The youth, okay? Somebody yell out to me what happens at basic training. What do you do at basic training? Train, Train, okay? What do you do to train? Discipline, yes. But what do they do to train you? Exercises, okay? Say for instance, they're going to teach you something. Do they just say, okay, do this one time? Uh, You do it every day for how many days? For at least three months. months. Every day, over and over and over again. And you think you got it the first day, right? (laughs) Or you think you got it the first week? Okay? (laughs) Or you think you got it the first ten days? But, but, but they want you to get it so well that you can do it with a blindfold on. They want you to get it so well that you can do it in your sleep. They want you to get it so that you can do it to where you don't even think about it. It's almost a reaction to you. It's almost something you do without thinking about it. Basic training. They want you to do it to where you do it so many times that it is part of your nature. It becomes a part of you. You do it over and 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 over till you get sick of doing it. Then you do it some more. You do it over and over and over and over and over and over again. How many of you have done that with your child? (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? Let's keep reading some scriptures. Let's go get get into some other things. Let's see what really trains our child and then we'll come back to that story. What really, really trains our children? TV. What happens on TV? They see the same thing over and over and over and over again. The way those people react to a situation and they see it over and over and over again. Us as adults. Uh, some of the older people in here that, you know, when TVs first came out and stuff, you can tell me uh, it would have been unheard of for you to see some of the sexual things that they show on TV today. But you've seen it over and over again to where it's not as big a deal to you. Because it's trained you that it's okay. It's training you. TV is training you that this is okay. It's training you that it's okay. Their friends train them how to dress, what music to listen to. Training. Remember basic training. Somebody don't let me forget that, okay? We're going to come back to it, all right? basic training takes repetition it takes getting mad it takes kids are how how many kids don't want to do it Every, how many kids in here are smart enough to raise their hand? Yeah, Adam's back there in the back raising his hand. Look at the youth back there. They know me. That's where the youth, they know how to react. You know, I've done trained them well. They, they're not ashamed. They're raising their hands, you know. They don't want to do it, you know. Micah's raising his hand. They don't want to do it. Kids don't want to do it. They don't want to do what their parents say. I'm going to skip ahead to a story, and then we'll come back to it. Well, no, let's not. Read Ephesians 6. We'll come back to this. Ephesians 6, one. you Y'all all know what it says. Yeah. Who is supposed to train kids in the natural? Parents. Not the TV, not their friends, your parents, right? Parents. Okay, so it says children. Hey, children, listen up. What's the next word? Okay, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. But now this next part is real interesting to me, because I think there's been some problems here. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. But bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, to provoke means to incite to activity or to heighten action by spurring or goading, prodding, provoking, parents provoking their children to wrath. Now, we'll come back to that. Okay, servants, be be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man does, the same shall receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And you masters do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Okay, now let's read another one. Colossians 3.20. Let's not forget the train word. We're going to come back to that. Children, do what? Obey Obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, again, provoke not your children to anger. What? Lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in singleness as heart. Fearing the Lord and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. but he that doth wrong shall receive for the wrong that he does, and there is no respect of persons. Okay, now turn to Ephesians 4:26. a couple of more scriptures and then we'll get into some things in your anger do not sin so can you be angry you can be angry But you can be angry and sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. We're going to get into this and I'm going to explain to you why this can happen. And he who has been stealing must steal no longer. But he must work doing something useful with his own hands. That he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is helpful to the building up of others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for that day of redemption. Now the next one, verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander along with every form of malice be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you you ever had any slamming doors and stomping feet and rage and bitterness and brawling and slander houses don't raise your hand okay hebrews 12:15 Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root, say that word, root, root. Now, root's not a whole tree, right? It's just a root. Just the start of something. Root of bitterness, springing up, trouble you, and thereby... Many be defiled, exercise foresight and be on the watch to look after one another to see that no one falls back from and fails to secure God's grace. His unmerited favor. This is a amplified. Sorry, I went straight on to the amplified. Y'all can put it up there so they can see it. Exercise foresight and be on the watch to look after one another to see that no one falls back and fails to secure God's grace, his unmerited favor and spiritual blessing in order that no root of resentment, bitterness, rancor, bitterness or hatred shoots forth and causes trouble or bitter torment and many become contaminated and defiled by it. That root. Now, let me read it to you from the Living Bible. I think we have that also. Look after each other so that not one of you will fail to find God's best blessings. Watch out that no bitterness takes root among you. For as it springs up, it causes deep trouble, hurting many in their spiritual lives Watch out that no one becomes involved in sexual sin or becomes careless about God as what Esau did as he traded his rights as the oldest son for a single meal. Has Keith been talking about that? And afterwards, he wanted those rights back again, but it was too late, even though he wept bitter tears of repentance so remember it and be careful. It was too late. So I want, to, I want us to tell. I want to tell you a scenario and see if this scenario has ever happened in your house. And then I want us to correct the scenario about a household. Let's say let's start with a family, and let's say that mom is home and say dad's at work and mom's home with the kids. She's got two or three kids. And um, let's say um, Johnny's three or four years old. And Johnny is asked, Mom, can he have a popsicle? Ever happened at your house? Sure. Say it's uh, five o'clock in the afternoon. Okay? Okay. And dad's going to be home in 30 minutes and supper's going to be ready. Mom tells Johnny no. Now, is mom just on some power trip? Are you sure? No. Mom just has a bigger picture. Correct? That supper's going to be ready. In 30 minutes, and it's gonna mess up Johnny's supper if he eats this popsicle 30 minutes before daddy's gonna be home to eat dinner. She just sees that supper's gonna be ready in 30 minutes. Not some big power trip, right? Okay? So, Johnny decides, guess what? He wants the popsicle. So mom gets a phone call, she gets distracted, what happens? Johnny gets the popsicle. Mom's busy. She's got supper boiling over. The phone, she's on the phone. Little Susie's yelling. She needs something. So she ignores the fact that Johnny got the popsicle. She just lets him have the popsicle. Ever happen? All the time. They go ahead, they have dinner. She doesn't say anything to Johnny. She knows he had the popsicle. He knows she knows he had the popsicle. They ignore the whole situation. Nothing said, nothing done. So tomorrow comes, or the next day, or the next day comes. Same scenario. Johnny decides to decide. Time he wants some chips. Supper time, same scenario, mama says no, Johnny goes in there and he gets the chips. He eats the chips, makes a mess with the chips. Mom's a little aggravated, doesn't say anything, jerks the chips out of his hands, goes in there and puts him a little bit more abruptly in his chair to sit down to eat. They eat dinner. Ever happen? Yeah. Every day in households. So the next day comes. Johnny comes. It's getting supper time. It's 5 o'clock. He's getting hungry. Mama knows he's hungry. Mama's not dumb. She knows he's hungry. It's almost supper time. Johnny wants a cookie. Phone rings. Something's going on. Mama doesn't want to deal with it. She's got a hard day at work. They don't want to fool with it. Just too tired to fool with it. Don't want to mess with it. Oh, forget it. It's, nothing. it's just a cookie. It's not a big deal. Let him have the cookie. I don't want to fool with it right now. She lets him have the cookie. He knows. She sees he had the cookie. Daddy comes in. They sit down at the table. She jerks him by the arm, throws him in his chair. They have supper. This goes on for years. Till he gets to be 12 years old. Decides he wants $5 from her purse. She says no. He, she sees him get it. Don't want to fool with it. It's just $5. Then it's just $10. Then it's just $50. Then she's 5 minutes late coming in. Then it's just 10 minutes late coming in. Then it's just one cigarette. Then it's just one beer. Do you see the scenario? Is the popsicle a big deal? No. Is the rebellion a big deal? Rebellion is a matter of life and death. Let's turn to a scripture. I think I put one in here for you. I got lots of things in here, but let's see if I found one on that. I think I put it in here. I don't know if I did or not. We found it the other night in youth I wasn't planning on going that direction But uh, Let's see One of the guys in youth found it was Rebellion was as a sin of witchcraft Keith did y'all find that the other night? First Samuel 15 yeah 1 Samuel 15:23 I changed notes so many times and went so many different directions on it 1 Samuel 15:23 You can turn there and mark it I'm not going to spend much time on it I just want you to know it that it does exist Rebellion is a life and death situation Everything in life starts small. And what happens is, the reason that I said the title of the message was, an acorn or a tree. What happens is, so many times, it happens with kids, it happens with marriages, it happens with employees and employers, it happens in Every situation in life. Parents do it with their kids all the time. Sometimes once a day. Sometimes once a week. Sometimes once a month. They get aggravated because they don't deal with the small thing. And then they blow up with the children. And in today's society... It's a terrible thing, but some people wind up half beating their children because they didn't deal with the small thing. And the child doesn't even know why, because the actual thing that they're getting beat over doesn't even apply to what the situation was. They come in one day and they eat the cookie, which is the same thing they've been doing for six months. And it's the day that. Their computer crashed at work. And daddy got chewed on by the boss and he's chewing on mama. And Susie got an F at school and everything just piled up. So they take Johnny and beat him. And it's no different than what he's been doing for a month. And he doesn't understand. Now, is that a child problem or is that a parent problem? It's a parent problem. And it's the same thing with employers and employees. You de- deal with situations and you get frustrated and you let things go on and you see things that, that are going on wrong and, and you just let them go and you let them go and you don't address them. and you let them. It's never fun to have confrontation. It's never fun to have to address someone about something that they're doing wrong. But it's much easier to deal with it when it's a small thing than it is a large thing. The youth can tell you. We have two rules in youth. Y'all know what they are? Yeah. Yeah. Wear your name tags high and to the left. And don't speak when someone else is talking. It's just respectful. I let the youth talk as much or more than I talk. And they're supposed to wear their name tags high and to the left. Now, is it a serious thing if their name tag is not high and to the left? Is that going to cause anyone to die? No. But what is it a serious thing if they don't do it? It's a very good outward sign of rebellion. And you know what? Never a week goes by. And they're all in here. They can all see me and hear me. That we don't have to address it. And most of them are in there every week. And they've either got it here or they've got it here. 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 here. (laughs) That flesh is tough stuff. I'm telling you. And that rebellion is in everybody if you don't deal with it. And it starts young. Now, all your psychology books will say, they will say, now, don't deal with that that way. You will break their little spirits. Anybody ever heard that? Oh, 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 yes. No, that is not their spirit. That is a rebellious spirit that they are yielding to. And you as parents must recognize the difference. Or elsewise, you will grow up with a child that will not know the difference themselves. Because their spirit is tender. But them yielding to this rebellious spirit will not help them. It will destroy them. And that's what we have today. In our society is a world full of people that have never been taught to submit to anyone. Their parents starting out. You watch it on TV all the time, and it is just perfectly normal for children to talk back to their parents. And that is not perfectly normal. It is perfectly disrespectful. And our children's workers should be teaching our children it is perfectly disrespectful. And it's not okay. It doesn't matter if you see it from other children. Children, are you listening? Look up here little guys. It is not okay to talk back to your parents because the Bible says you obey your parents and it'll go well with you. Well with you means that you'll be healthy and prosperous and things can, and you can have all the things you want in this life and you'll be healed. It doesn't mean that you can... When mom and dad tells you... We talked about it in youth the other night. And I said, how many of you have ever, you know, gotten in trouble for anything? And um, then you still sass back. And three quarters of them raised their hand. I said, where did that get you? They said, grounded more. I said, so that was real smart. The devil is dumb. And he makes you do dumb things. So even... If you've not been taught it as a child, it's time to make yourself realize that rebellion is a dumb thing. And you've got to start by stopping the little ones and stop pretending as though you do not see it. It's not fun and it's not easy. But when you see it happen, you've got to make yourself stop doing whatever you're doing. Take the time to go in there and say, Johnny, I said, no, you cannot have a popsicle. Do it however you and your household have decided is your form of punishment, but do it. Deal with it. Do not let it go because it only grows. It is that root that begins to grow. It does not go away. It grows. And it grows into adulthood and it grows into trouble. So as you're doing that... You begin to see that you have adults, you have teenagers, you have grandparents, you have every person in our society today that is, has refused to understand anything about how to deal with rebellion in their lives. They don't even recognize it because they have yielded to it so much, they don't know what it is. Rebellion is... In God's eyes, just like witchcraft, it's idolatry. Um, I I did find some of it back here in the back, and we'll get to it in just a minute. I don't want to get to it yet. Let's look at something else. Um, Say, for instance, like a husband and wife. Let's get off of it with children for just a minute. I've had husband and wife situations where troubles have been going on, and You try to talk about them. You try to deal with them. And you let little things go year after year after year. And then one of them decides, I'm tired of this. Then what happens? The D-I-V-O-R-C-E scenario. Okay? Which would have been better? Deal with the small things. If you deal with the small things, they don't get to be huge, big things. Or, the other thing is, then someone explodes and you have wife beatings, husband beatings, guns, someone shooting somebody. You think, this can never happen in my house? How bad can your flesh get? How mad have you ever gotten? It happens quicker than you think if you keep yielding to it. Little things can escalate to where if you're not controlling... People think, I am in control. Yes, maybe today you are. But the more you yield to your flesh, the more out of control you get. Things don't just happen in people's lives. Today you're uh, not having an affair and tomorrow you just got into bed with somebody. It doesn't happen that way. It starts by you becoming more talkative with that person. And more friendly with that person. And more looking at that person. Oh, and we can talk. We're, we're too strong spiritually. And we're going to talk about spiritual things. Doesn't work that way. That's how the door opens wide open. You squash the acorn before it starts. No married man should be with any married woman talking about spiritual things alone. Ever. Amen. Ever, never, never. I don't care how spiritual you think you are. You've left the door wide open for the devil to get in there and cause you a problem. Doesn't work that way. You squash things while they're small and you never have to deal with the big things. That's why uh, my staff can tell you. I mean, I, I, as a leader, I don't let things get big. I refuse to. I don't like dealing with things. I despise dealing with things. But as a leader, I stop them while while they're small. I consider sending someone home for a few days or sending someone home to think about a situation or something like that, like a parent spanking a child. I don't think a parent should have to spank a child every single day. I think it's like I tell our people back there, if someone is having to sit in the naughty chair every single day, then the teacher is not doing something right. Something's wrong. I consider if you have to spank a child every single day, then something's, something's not right. Something's going haywire somewhere. And everybody got really quiet on that. But it's because you're frustrated that you're having to spank them. So you ha- you you need to sit down and think about the situation, what's going on. You're getting frustrated. Are they learning? Are you teaching them? We come back to the training part now. Here we are. How do you train them? With consistency. You do it the exact same way every single time you do it. You don't vary at all. You don't change at all. Just like the military. When they say take a gun apart... They say, do it this way, it comes apart this way, and you do it this way every single time. When they tell Keith how to fly an airplane, it goes this way every single time. You don't change it. You do it according to this way, and you do it that way every single time you do it, and you don't make any changes on it, and the plane will fly right. You won't have any troubles, and you don't vary from that. And you won't crash. And the military is that way. I've not been in the military, but I've been around a lot of people that have been in the military. When they tell you to do something, you do it exactly the way that they say do it in the exact manner that they say do it. And they don't get up tomorrow morning. and They say, you know what? We made a mistake. You don't take this gun apart like this. You really there's three different ways that we can do this. You can do it this way and you can do it this way because you're really faster at it. So we'll let you skip these two steps. And uh, you, you got to do it this way because you're not as good at it or because you're a good child. We'll let you do it this way. Or because you're having a bad day today, we don't want to fool with you. You can just skip the whole exercise today. Go stay in your room if you want to. No, what do they do? Same way. Same way. Okay, so Johnny gets the popsicle today. Johnny wants a popsicle today. What do we do? And we say, no, sweetheart. Explain it if you want to. Don't explain it if you want to. God doesn't always explain things. That's right. That's right. So we say no. But if you want to, explain to, Supper's going to be ready in 30 minutes. Uh, I know you're hungry. Supper's going to be ready in 30 minutes. Daddy will be here. We're going to eat. If you want to, explain it. You don't have to be mean about it, but if you want to, explain it. But if you don't, don't. Say no. Johnny gets the popsicle. Okay. You have your naughty chair, you have your naughty spot, he, he eats the popsicle. You do not ignore it. You say, Johnny, go to your room. Whatever he is, he's three years old. You know, whatever you've decided is his punishment for that. Tomorrow he does the same thing. You do exactly the same thing again. And you do it every day for six months if it takes six months. Amen. You don't change. Now, what happens is Johnny's not a dumb little guy, little guy. We've had kids come in and tell us that they're allergic to the snacks so that they can get a better snack in the three year old class. They're not dumb. They're smarter than you think. They try to catch you when you're off guard and do things when you're off guard, try to catch you when you're not paying attention so that you will not you will change and give them a different answer. So will employees. So will spouses. Am I wrong? It's right. Consistency. Training. How many of you have done it that way? Training. Month after month after month after month after month. Every day do it the same way. Gets old, doesn't it? Gets tiring. It's not fun. But that's what it takes. That is, turn back to your scripture, the very first one. Does the Bible work? What does it say? Train up a child. Train up a child. It's odd to me that it uses that word. Train up a child. Parents are responsible for their kids. Now, let's flip the coin just a minute. I think you're getting the picture on that. Who is responsible for spiritual children? Turn to Ephesians 4. Maverick really doesn't want to go. He's looking up here. Liberty's crying, but, well, she doesn't really have to go. (laughs) Ephesians 4, verse 1. Devin's saying, hush, Mrs. Moore, the TV stuff. (laughs) As a prisoner of the Lord... Then I urge you for you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. I want to answer a question. Who's supposed to train spiritual children? Be completely humble and gentle and patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort to do it. So what does that mean? Do whatever it takes to keep peace. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one father of all who is over all and through all and in all. That is why it says when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and he gave what gifts Gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was who? It was he who gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and some teachers. Number one, I've written here to prepare God's people for works of service. So that the body may be built up until we reach the unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become what? Mature. And attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And I've got two. That we no longer be what? Children. Infants. Infants tossed back and forth by the waves blown here and there, by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. From him the whole body joined together and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds up itself in love as each part does its work. Now turn to 1 Timothy 3 8. You'll see how all this goes together. You'll think I digressed from children's and train up a child. In like manner, deacons, this is um, the Amplified, must be worthy of respect, not shifty and double-talkers, but sincere in what they say, not given to much wine, not greedy for base gain, craving wealth, and resorting to noble and dishonest methods of getting it. They must possess the mystic secret of faith, Christian truth as hidden from godly men with a clear conscience and must let them also be tried and investigated and proved first. Then, if they turn out to be above reproach, let them serve as deacons. The women, likewise, must be worthy of respect and serious. Not gossipers, but temperate and self-controlled, thoroughly trustworthy in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife. Uh Uh-oh. What's the next part say? Let them manage their children and their households well. For those who perform as a deacon acquire a good standing for themselves and also gain much confidence and freedom and boldness in faith which is founded on the sinners of Christ. Although I hope to come to you before long, I'm writing you these instructions so that you, if I am detained, you may know how the people ought to conduct themselves in the household of God, which is the church of the living God and the pillar and stay the prop and support of the truth. The NIV says deacons likewise are to be men worthy of respect Sincere, not indulging in much wine, not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the truth, the deep truths of faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested. And then if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, their wives are to be women worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must first be the husband of one wife and must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served and well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ. Now, confusion here is the word deacon. How many of you, when you think of deacon, think of growing up, uh, you know, we are not set up in the old time, well, I won't say old time, the regular Baptist churches where you think of a deacon. How many of you think of that when you think of the word deacon? Ninety-eight percent of you, okay? Um, deacon, the origin of the office deacon, I looked it up under several uh the old... Uh, Greek and Hebrew and all the other things described um, the Jews when they talked about it in, in Acts 6, 1 through 6. And they were talking about how they served because they were complaining about the widows being neglected. Do you remember that story? So they selected people to serve the widows that were being neglected. And they called them deacons. Okay. Now there's another place that they did. Do you remember in Acts 5 and 6 where they told, um, they were talking about that it wasn't meet for them to wait tables. So they selected out 12 that could serve tables so they could wait on the Lord. And they called them deacons. And what did they do? They waited tables. So what did these, both of these people do? They served. How many people in here are actually on a service team? I'd say 50, 60% of you in here. So what would you be called in today's terminology? deacons deacons and deaconesses you can you can super spiritualize it you can think that you're not because that was a bible term but according to the bible if you serve in the things of god you would be considered You could leave this place today and say, I'm a deacon at Faith Life Church. They might look at you and say, you are? Yes, sir. I'm a deacon at Faith Life Church. You know what it means. You serve. They may give it some big higher connotation that you sit on the front row and like this. But you, mean, you know what it means to serve. Well, you being a deacon should have your household in order. That's one of the major qualifications for being a deacon. Is that your children should serve. You and, and in order to be a deacon, you must first be tested and you must serve us and grow up i know there's oftentimes been questions about why we do things the way that we do them it's real simple because that's what god said not a complicated answer it's the way god said do it doesn't get real complicated around here until god tells us to do something different that's what we do same thing in your household Do your kids always understand why you do what you do? Why is that oftentimes? Does Johnny understand why he cannot have the popsicle? Does he understand that he's going to mess up his supper if you just tell him no? Doesn't understand it. Does Johnny understand why he can't go? With somebody three times his age to a park by themselves? No. Doesn't understand it. But you have the big picture. And all the pieces fit together in your mind, but they don't in his. So he'll stomp his feet and he'll get mad and he'll slam his door. And he'll get mad at you for an hour. Sometimes a day. Which is better, for Johnny to get mad at you for a day and you keep that root of bitterness out of him and out of your house and his eternity be good? See, what happens in today's society is people are too flesh-oriented. They only see the here and now. And only care about what it does to their flesh. Heaven and hell are not a strong enough reality to them. Eternity is not strong enough in their minds. The future of their that person, that child, is not strong enough in their minds. What's going to happen to them 20 years from now if they let that go on? Will it hurt you more for Johnny to get by with that rebellion on that popsicle than for him to rob a bank and shoot a police officer and be in jail when he's 16. You think you know hurt when he stomps his foot when he's three and you have to deal with it and spank him and put him in his room. But you can't spank him necessarily when he's 16 and he robs a bank and you're spending all your savings to try to pay lawyers and pay attorneys and do this. Which hurts worse? Which is easier to squash, the acorn or the tree? It's never fun to be the adult or the leader. Is it fun to be the parent and have to correct your child and see them cry? It's never fun. But God gave you that position of responsibility for a reason. Because you're supposed to be the mature one. And it does hurt you. But which hurt is worse? The momentary hurt or the eternal hurt? Our first scripture said, if you train up a child in the way he should go, when he is old... He will not depart from it. He will not. Didn't say maybe. Either the Bible's truth or it's a lie. And most of us that are in here wish we would have had teaching when we were younger. We wish we would have had someone that knew the Bible when we were younger. We didn't get to find out about it till we were older. People say, I love my child too much to discipline them that way. God says if he loves you, he chastens you. So that means you think you're smarter than God. I've had people that I've had to discipline. And they're thoroughly convinced that they love people more than I love them. Yes, maybe so. Their flesh. Because I see their future. I look for eternity. I look to this life is but a vapor. And it's only going to last for a short period of time. Brother Hagan says, most people live and die and never even enter the first phase of their ministry. Now, I think that's sad. And as a leader, I would like to see people not only enter the first phase of their ministry, but enter it and go to the second one and third one and complete whatever he's got for them. But do you know why most people will not enter the first phase of their ministry? Is because they're like Johnny. They got to have that popsicle. You got adult babies and you got baby babies. And time is short. You can see with Internet stuff how quickly the word can be preached around the world. And how quickly this thing could be wrapped up. And there's a lot of people in society today watching by Internet, watching by TVs, watching in this church that have not even begun to have rewards in heaven. And if Jesus were to come tonight. And he were to say. Rewards. What you got under your belt. How many notches you got on your spiritual handle. You might think it don't matter. You think, ah, I don't care about that. When you get to heaven, you might change your mind. Same thing with your kids. What, will it make a difference what kind of life you led them on? There's a lot of people not in here tonight with their kids, like excuses. They didn't think it was important to be here. It's our job to begin to live lives in such a manner that our kids are in settings to where they are the example. Kids can win more people to the Lord, oh, than adults can and youth can than adults can any day of the week. You've seen it. You've heard testimonies about it. Why? Because to see a child... Acting mannerly and behaving in today's society is a rare thing. Right. And it's apparent that these do because look at them how well they're sitting in this service tonight. Yeah, so we've got parents that know how to train their children up. Amen. So you ha- have got weapons underneath your belt to help other people to train their children up. Let's look at a couple of more things and, and then we'll go. Um, I don't want to keep you all night because I want to be able to tell Keith I let him out quicker. (laughs) Look at Luke 16.10. I've got a whole hour to be able to do that. Y'all understand that, right? He's been letting y'all out of here at 10.30. I'm not going to nearly go that much longer. Luke 16.10. I think y'all know most of these things, the rest of this stuff, but I think we'll just refresh your heart and minds with it. We have got, I want you guys to understand this, Faith Life Church has got the most faithful, most wonderful volunteers of any place I have ever seen. We have never had one person to come in through these doors. Every pastor we've ever had, they want to know, what do you do? How do you do it? And we say, we don't. That's just their hearts. We don't do anything. I mean, the KCM crew that came through these doors, they said, how do you make them do that? We said, we don't make them do it. <laughs> they want to know. I mean, several of the people that's worked with the kids and stuff, you know, leaders and stuff, they say, we've worked with other places with kids and stuff, and we can't get them to volunteer. You guys have got, I mean, we've got the very best children's workers. I... I'm sorry, people on TV. I, I know I'm prejudicing, you know, but uh, faithful people, you know, they don't turn in excuses and stuff. The best. And uh, we are examples to other people. And, but there's always places to grow. I'm always looking at myself as places, to, as how we can grow and get better and do what God wants us to do. So we can enter the first phases of our ministry. And do what we need to do. He that, verse 10, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful in that which is, and also in much. He that is unjust in least is also an unjust in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you trust the true riches? If you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, Who shall give you that which is your own? The Amplified says, He that is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is dishonest and unjust in a very little thing is dishonest and unjust also in much. Therefore, if you've not been faithful in case of unrighteous mammon, deceitful riches and money and possessions... Who will entrust to you true riches? And if not proved faithful in that which belongs to another, whether God or man, who will give you that which is your own? That is true riches. And um, let's see. Luke, uh, I mean, the New Living says, unless you're faithful in small matters, you won't be faithful in large ones. If you cheat in a little... You won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you're untrustworthy with worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches in heaven? And if you're not faithful with other people's money, why should you be trusted with your own? People get mixed up about that stuff. Uh, Luke 19:17. These are Bible scriptures. These are not my thoughts. These are Bible scriptures. God said them. He said unto him, well, thou good servant, because you've been faithful in very little, have authority over ten cities. NIV says, well done, my good servant. His master replied, because you've been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge over ten cities. What you run into oftentimes is children thinking their parents don't know anything. Oftentimes. But God's graced you to be a parent. And he's anointed you to do it. Um, we won't get into... I've got several scriptures here. And I found the one on rebellion and witchcraft. Um, It says um, several different translations here. It says rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance is like evil idolatry. And another translation says rebellion is as the sin of divination and insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. Rebellion means open defiance to authority. To express strong unwillingness. That's what you have to get rid of in your children, that strong unwillingness. It's not okay to let it go on. It's not okay to let your child stomp out of the room and keep that in them and you know it's not dealt with. It's not fun to have to deal with it for four hours. But you as a parent can tell if they've dealt with it or not. And it's got to be dealt with. And the younger that you deal with it, the easier it is. Because it won't change. It doesn't go away. You've got 30-year-olds that never dealt with it. You've got 16-year-olds that it's never been dealt with. Turn to Matthew 21:28. We're having fun. It doesn't sound like fun, but if you've been having trouble at home with your kids or you've been having trouble in these areas, man, it's got to be fixed. Because um, it'll destroy your family. It'll cause trouble between the husband and wife because there's strife always in the house. Once that strife gets in, it's a root of bitterness and it'll go out throughout the whole house and it'll affect the other kids and it'll affect the whole family. And it's not okay to keep it in there. Matthew 21:28. And kids, y'all listen to this. What do you think... A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first, and he said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he repented, and he went. Then he came to the second, and he said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. But he went not. Whether of the twain did the will of his father, they say to him, the first. And Jesus said to them, Verily I say unto you, that publicans and harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and you believed him not, but the publicans and harlots believed him. You, when you had seen him, repented not, but afterwards that you might believe him. There's people, kids, that have said they would do something, didn't do it. It's not okay. Don't make it okay by ignoring it. Make them keep their word. Your word is the only thing you have. You think it doesn't matter? Your word is the only thing that you can stand on throughout your life for your faith. And if a child does not have his word, then he cannot ever through the rest of his life stand in faith. Because you say unto fevers, you say to the mountain. And if you have no faith in your words, then you have no faith. And most parents have not seen the significance of that. If you tell Johnny, Johnny, take out the trash, and he says, I'll do it, and you take it out for him, you are not doing him any favors. His word is the only thing he has. If he says he will take out the trash, and he goes to bed, and he did not take out the trash, and he's got four tests tomorrow, what do you do? It's hard. But those tests are not eternity. And those tests are not the thing that's going to affect his faith the rest of his life. I know it sounds hard and I know it sounds mean. But it is the most valuable thing he has is his word. And it's easier to start when he's three. Three. If you tell him to pick up your toys, and he says, I will, and he does not, then he will. Before he watches his Barney movie, before he gets his supper, before he does anything, he will pick up his toys. Because his word is the most valuable thing he has. If a person tells you they're going to be there at 6 o'clock... And they sing in the choir, and they show up at 6.30. They don't sing tonight. The first night or two, we had people coming, singing with us. They thought we were real hard. Not these people now, but um, they were really good singers. And I told them the first night, I said, you show up at 6.30 again, and it starts at 6, you won't sing again. They showed up at about quarter to 7. I said, I'm sorry, you won't sing for us. They said, but I sing better than anybody here. I said, not at this church you don't. Well, that's hard. Mm -hmm. Because your word is the only thing you have. If you tell somebody you're going to show up in working kids, you're going to be here for the meeting, you gave them your word, I don't care if Johnny does have a runny nose. Don't take 12 people to stay home and blow it for him. If you give somebody your word, your word should mean more to you than money. And it must start when you're young. Your word is the only thing you have to exercise your faith. You say you're going to do something, do it. Keep your word about it. doesn't matter how big or small it is. If you, if you say you're going to mow somebody's lawn and your lawnmower breaks, you at least call them. You tell somebody you're going to pay a bill, you at least call them. You make an effort to make it right. And you must do that with your children. You're not helping them by avoiding making them keep their word. You're hurting them. There's a difference between lying and keeping your word. Lying is horrible. We're not even talking about that. We're just talking about somebody saying they're going to do something and not doing it. And it starts young. People think kids, when they're really little, shouldn't be accountable till they get a certain age. I tell you, if you wait till they get to be five and six years old, you've waited late. You'll have real problems on your hands. So, parents, I encourage you. The kids are in here tonight. Kids, raise your hand so I can see where you are. Okay? I think mommies and daddies should go home tonight. Tomorrow. Sit down. Have a talk with their kids. Say, we've let some things go. It's time we change some things. because if you really really want to help your children it's important that we keep things on a straight line you think the the thing is if you do it consistently and train them it's hard for a short season then it's actually easier it's actually easier people don't believe you but it actually is Same thing with leaders, same thing with husbands and wives. If you work through the problems and you discuss them and fix them, it's actually easier than it is to let them go. I know it ain't been fun. I enjoyed it anyway. I did, I did, I did. Because I like help. I like answers. I like help. So uh, let's stand up and we'll thank God for it. And um, I believe our, our children's workers in here do tremendous, tremendous jobs. Amen. I do, I do. And I wasn't going to do this, but I just feel like all of a sudden that we should. And I know I said I was going to get out sooner than Keith, but I think we should just pray over our children's workers. I think it would be a real good thing to do. So if you work in children's, why don't you come down here and let's pray over you.